Yet there he sat, no doubt with happy, mad, heart, sad, and crazy-faced emojis floating across his image on devices worldwide, because he represented Sirius, was black, and for any other reason besides what actually came out of his mouth. You know, I was going to talk about something else in this session, but being that I'm recording this in the middle of Black History Month, I decided to talk about race in the context of Sirius and Lemnick. I think many readers and listeners would be surprised to know that despite all of the themes and lessons that I included in the novel, race is actually not among them. At least I didn't mean for it to be. And I think that's interesting because as I was writing, I found I had to go out of my way to actually avoid making certain themes, characters, scenarios about race. This fact in and of itself gave me pause and taught me something about myself and our culture, at least, you know, U.S. culture, that I pretty much already knew to be true, but I became aware of as I wrote the book. I mean, it taught me that one way or the other, as Americans and probably as people in general, we are programmed consciously and subconsciously to see race everywhere, for better or worse. Here in the U.S., we tend to take it a step further, and not only do we see race everywhere, we see racial issues everywhere, which is pretty problematic for me as a black man, right? Because that means everywhere I go, whether I like it or not, race becomes an issue for me. And it's not always the most comfortable thing, to be honest. In Sirius Olympic, I didn't want racial issues to become the center of attention. But I think people who are uncomfortable talking or thinking about race and discrimination may make it about racial issues if they read the book. That's what tends to happen, unfortunately, when you have something that's written by a non-white person. So, as I've said probably a couple of times now, if you listen to the whole podcast, the characters in the novel are very ethnically diverse. The first main character is a teenage Asian-American girl with Chinese heritage. Second is a middle-aged black guy. And the third is a 30-something woman with Mexican and Hawaiian heritage. These are just the main characters. The secondary characters are equally diverse each one with their own cultural nuances, in addition to their own unique personalities. So why did I include so many racially and ethnically distinct characters? Well, my primary goal was to reflect the true diversity of thought and ethnic ethnic variety that I encounter almost every day in my life, whether online or in person. I wanted to showcase just a slice of that in the book. I also wanted readers to see that tapestry of diversity that often 
can lead to greater understanding and humanity in the world. You know, I just wanted people to just see the true diversity of our communities and of the people that we see, but maybe, you know, if they're not a part of our cultural or ethnic group, then we may just ignore them, you know. So I wanted to kind of bring that attention to readers. Or I should say, I wanted to bring that to readers' attention. What was not on my list of reasons for including such a diverse cast was talking about or confronting racial discrimination or tensions. There were a couple reasons for this. The first reason being that the, the focus of the story. My focus was to write a story addressing issues that many readers may not be considering at this moment in time. That's what I'm saying, not. You know, if, if you really want to know what some of those issues are, you should probably listen to some of the previous sessions of this podcast or just go buy a copy of the book and find out for yourself. But simply put, the specter of racial discrimination is an issue that we are at odds with right now. And I didn't want to include it in my book because it's just so it's just so salient right now. It's, it's almost always out there. I feel like it just comes in waves, you know, like. It'll go away for maybe a few months or a few years, and then something big will happen, and then it's back in the public eye again, and then we'll start talking about it, we'll start thinking about it. Um, right now, we'll, we'll start having all these trainings about it, like I have at my job right now. You know, you have these um, uh, diversity panels and just we're equity panels, we call them, I guess, but, you know, where you talk about things, but unfortunately... Uh, <laughs> nothing really happens usually after these sessions. Some people walk away feeling good. Me as a minority and as a black guy, I'm just like, uh, what were you doing for the last 30 minutes or an hour? I, I don't know. Anyway, but I digress. The second reason I didn't want to write about race in a novel, and this may sound out, sound out, this may sound odd to some people, was that honestly, I'm just pretty sick and tired of talking and thinking about it all the time. I mean, just like I was talking about just a couple of seconds ago about these trainings, you know, anytime we have one of these, you know, all of a sudden the eyes shift or if it's on Zoom or whatever, they shift to me or other people that look like me and they're like, well, what do you have to say about this? And literally you always have to have something to say about it whether it's productive or not and yeah it just kind of gets it gets tiring and I think literally since I was six or seven years old being black has always made me have to defend or justify myself in many ways sometimes that justification was to others a lot of times it's to myself you know, I can remember when I was in elementary school, probably like second or third grade. That was probably the first time I consciously encountered systemic racism. Of course, I didn't call it that at the time. You know, I didn't know like to call it that. But that was the first time I encountered something. You know, to take you back a little bit, I was I was a good kid. You know, I always did my work and I usually got good grades. I wasn't nearly as outspoken as I am now nowadays, but... Uh, if I was called upon to like answer a question or something in class, I usually spoke up and I usually got answers right. So I remember it was one day after or during school. I'm I'm not really sure when time of day at this point, but 
a boy in my class come up to me and say, hey, Keith, you're not black. Your grades are too good. And this kid wasn't black. At the time, I remember laughing it off because I was friends with this kid, but inside I was just confused. I thought, am I really not black? I didn't know how to feel about it at the time, you know? Although it didn't change how I performed in class or as a student, that comment has stayed with me my entire life. It was the first in what would become a long list of other harmful stereotypes and presumptions, mostly negative, about black boys and eventually black men that I would have to continually justify to myself and others throughout my entire life. You know, you know the ones, you know, you're not black, you don't understand this this black cultural reference, I would get that a lot, you know. You're not black, you speak too well. You're not black, you can't rap. You're not black, you don't play sports well enough. You're not black, you haven't dated or slept with enough women. You're not black, you're not in jail. You're not black, you make too much money. You're not black, you're from Texas. You're not black, you're not married to a black woman. On and on and on. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. It gets a little tiresome talking and thinking about race all the time, you know. Um, and part of writing a novel for me isn't wasn't just to like make money and sell books, or even just about getting my ideas out there. You know, anyone who's done it, like written a book, will tell you it's a deeply personal act, which makes you explore the furthest depths of your being. In that exploration, I wanted to grow as a person and as a writer. And I also wanted to enjoy the process a little bit. And I did enjoy it. But for me personally, making the, if I made the story about more about race, it would have taken some of the joy out of writing a novel. Because that wasn't my focus, like I talked about earlier. Um, and this is another reason I didn't include the theme in my novel. Before this year, uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't think much about Black History Month. It just kind of came and went, you know, February, it's cold, usually, and it was over. You know, one of the reasons for this was because I wasn't really around many black people, so I didn't really have much occasion to really think about it or, you know, certainly not celebrate it, like, in a meaningful way. I just didn't do it. But this year has been different in 2021 so far. Um, and that's because in my role as a teacher, I actually, in addition to teaching math, we teach, uh, it's kind of auxiliary class. We call it advisory. Um, and when I was a kid, advisory was just kind of those one of those, it wasn't a class, you know, it wasn't a real class. It was just kind of a time where you showed up. It was just an accounting period to make sure you were at school and then you started your real classes. But at the school I work at now, the advisory is actually a class. So we, you know, it's interesting because they actually talk to the students about a lot of, they, they have us talk to the students about a lot of different things, about managing emotions. Um, we've done 
uh, stuff about voting and the election back during those times. It's usually pretty timely what we talk about. So um, we talked last month in January, you know, was MLK Day. So we talked about civil rights and prejudice and all the stuff that he fought against. And then now, of course, it's February. So it's Black History Month. So we're having units on Black History Month. So I found myself teaching ninth grade students about black history, a position that um, I wasn't really anticipating being in because I just, you know, I went to school to teach math and I teach math, but now I'm teaching about black history. And yeah, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm currently a part of the black history curriculum planning group at my school. So I'm directly influencing in many ways how we relate the story of black heritage to the younger generation. And that's made me kind of go back and think about um, what I know about black history and, you know, what's, what are my thoughts? What's my own heritage? And um, it's been enlightening because I realize just like the st my students, there's a lot that I don't know. Um, and I never really looked. I just kind of got what I got, you know, you get the little sprinkling of black historical figures and then, you know, slavery and something, something, something. And then that's just pretty much it. That's all I pretty much knew. So I'm, I'm trying to educate myself more on just, you know, my own history, my own heritage. And it's been enlightening. So how's it going so far with the teaching aspect? Uh, well, you know. Yeah, it's been interesting. Of course, we we've hit a, the major milestones. You know, we talked about to them, to the students about them, African diaspora, slavery, of course, famous historical African American figures from Crispus Attucks to Barack Obama. But we've also touched on topics I had never learned or known about. You know, we've talked about blackness from around the world. You know, from Yemen to Canada. You know, I even. Um, I went out of my way to find um, black people that, you know, we don't, as as African-Americans and as Americans, I don't typically think of black people in Germany. I don't think of black people in, in China or anything like that, but they exist. They are over there. Um, uh, and yeah, I it was just interesting pulling up some of these figures of these, of this rich heritage and showing it to the students that, hey, there's black people everywhere. And we just, you just probably don't hear a lot about them. So through these informative videos and articles, our students have learned about the history and legacy of, of people of African descent and their contributions to cultures around the world. It's been pretty amazing. I guess my hope, you know, for teaching the students about this is that all of them will understand that black people around the world are more than just descendants of slaves or those people in rap videos or on basketball courts. I hope they see that black history is American, Canadian, Mexican, British, and world history. You know, insert your country here. And yeah, turns out black people, if they didn't have a hand in shaping it, they are surely a part of it nowadays. You know, so I, I feel like I hope my students walk away with that. I, I just hope they become more tolerant and more human no matter if they are black or not. You know, that's what I always hope through my work. Um, yeah.
as a black man, more specifically a black author, I think people would expect me to write about race and racial issues. I personally feel like there are there are plenty of good slave narratives and allegories out there or other stuff about, you know, traditionally issues are associated with black people. Um, and I just wasn't out to, out to write another one. I, I really had no desire to do that. And I just wanted to go in, the, in a different direction with Sirius and Lemnick, and I'm happy I did. Because um, I just, yeah, I went my own way, and yeah, I'm just glad I did. Right now, you know, as part of my Black History Month, you know, self-training or enlightenment, I'm reading a book called The Destruction of Black Civilization by this author named Chancellor Williams. Williams, a black historian, conducted 16 years of research and not just pouring over books, y'all. Like he went to Africa and traveled throughout the whole continent and talked to people and observed and took notes. Um, yeah, pretty amazing stuff that this guy did back in the 50s and 60s, 1950s and 60s. So you can imagine how difficult it was probably, you know, getting around and stuff. But anyway, his book, um, he sought to compile a book of African history, not from the white or European perspective, as is found in most mainstream history books, but from the African perspective. And even though the book was originally released, released I think, in 1971, his message is definitely still relevant today. And I'm about halfway through the book. And man, um, yeah, so informative. And of course, ancient history, a lot of the book covers ancient history, like 3100 BC, and then this area of history that, you know, usually when I think of ancient history, I think of like the Romans and the Greeks, and yeah, it's pretty ancient, but this is even more ancient, you know, and that's the first time I've heard or read an account of that from African perspective. Um, as I said, I'm about halfway through the book, and the primary thing that I've learned is that violence due to racial tensions and discrimination is nothing new. It's almost as old as humanity itself, you could say. Even ancient African tribes at the dawn of civilization fought and killed each other due to differences in skin tone. Even the most violent and heinous crimes we see today are fairly benign when it comes to the slaughtering, raping, and cultural obliteration that used to take place in ancient times. And back then, there was no one left to spread outrage or even fight back. There's no Twitter, you know, there's no TikTok or Instagram. It's just, you're gone. Uh, dissenting voices, they were just silenced for all eternity through murder or slow, forced integration into the culture of the conquerors over the years. Integrate or die was the law of the land for millennia. I think many people forget about that these days. Anyway, a quote from the book sticks out to me. It says, But the black historian, member of a race under perpetual siege and fighting an almost invisible war for survival, dare not follow in these footsteps of the master. What he was doing was essentially he was apologizing early on in the book for not being a purely objective historian because he knew he could not just write the facts as most historians do because the facts he writes about are not well known to most people. 
They certainly aren't commonly accepted. You know, I guess in essence, I felt the same about talking about race in Sirius and Lemnick. It's difficult for me to write and talk about race objectively, which made it less interesting for me as an author to include it as a side topic in my story. That's just my personal take. Trust me, when I do write a story with race as a main theme, you're going to know it. And I will make sure to be as intentional about it as I am with any other subject matter I aim to address through my writing. Music for the Serious and Limnic podcast was provided by Ryan Fonger. For more information about Serious and Limnic, visit keithhayden.net and subscribe or follow at kh underscore author on Twitter. For future episodes, subscribe and follow the Serious and Limnic podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as the Amazon Music app. I hope you enjoyed hearing some of my thoughts about race and discrimination in this session of the Serious and Limited podcast. I just wanted to let you know that on my website, keithhayden.net, the Serious and Limited audiobook is now available. And it's interesting because I'm trying something new with the distribution of this audiobook by distributing it as a private podcast to you as I record them. So that means you get the audiobook faster, you don't have to wait for the entire thing to be done in order to enjoy it. Just go over to keithhayden.net to read about more of the details of the audiobook. I'm pretty excited about that. And also, on February 20th, I'll be at my first conference as an author. It's pretty exciting stuff. So it's called Virtuous Con, and I'll be there from 9 o'clock to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Come on over, say hello, grab a book, and ask questions about Sirius Alemnic. Or just come over to chat and hang out. And there's a bunch of other uh, authors and things that they're going to have, panels. Um, It's truly a virtual conference. So I hope to see you there. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Sirius Alemnic podcast. Take care.